0: Here we go from the Steel City, Pittsburgh,
1: Pennsylvania. Welcome to Post-Christian Pastors, the podcast hosted by three pastors that dives into faith, relationships, pop culture, ministry, current issues, and a whole lot more.
0: Well, hey, welcome to Post-Christian Pastors here in the middle of the frozen tundra. Not Texas, but that is the frozen tundra. Yeah. Today, Texas is 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 hurting yeah. right now. Texas is uh, a cold down there. Little yeah. cold in Texas, but we've had plenty of snow here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark Helsel, along with my friends, my compadres, my my companions. My I don't know. I always you can don't know what to frozen, call you.
2: Introduce the frozen chosen uh, the, first. Yeah,
0: here in the winter, frozen tundra. To my right is. John Price. Yay. John Price representing the Presbyterians today, all the way <laughs> from. <laughs> and to
1: my left, uh, the warm and toasty Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> It is getting warm for them. That's for sure. No. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mike Arnold, it's
0: great to be with you. John Wesley does feel a little more cuddly. I don't know than than, he had than John strange. Calvin.
1: Than John Calvin. I don't know. Wesley Have you ever feels... read Calvin? No, he's he's super pastoral. Super. He gets a he gets a better rap. Listen, does he? Yeah, he does. He just well, seems a little think, colder than John Wesley.
0: I don't think Wesley was a hugger either. No, <laughs> no I, don't I don't think, think he was so. a no. big hugging guy. <laughs> there are not many huggers. There's not many huggers in the. I don't Martin Luther. I don't know. Was he a hugger? I don't know. I don't know. After a few beers, he probably was. Yes, <laughs> he did. Like he had his own a, brewmeister. Yes, he did. He. Well, this man. is speaking of hugging. Thanks. Speaking of hugging, Saint
2: Augustine had a point where he hugged a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dear Lord, make me chase. Just not yet. That was the. That was the prayer. That's the famous prayer oh, of a young man right there. pastor, theolo- yeah. theologian Speaking humor. of Chase, <laughs>
2: <laughs> how was your Valentine's Day, Mike? Hey, <laughs> good Valentine's Day is wonderful. I was telling you guys earlier, I watched uh, um, Greenfield. yeah the the movie about the giant asteroid asteroid. that's all that always greenland 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 Greenland. that always screams
0: romance yes
2: giant asteroids when most men think the world is coming to an end there's one thought that comes from (laughs) that hug the children that's it that's it no it was good i mean it was a good movie we watched a movie get action adventure i got to pick you got
0: to pick on that
2: what did you get your wife
0: for valentine's day
2: I uh, got her. Oh, I went to. You guys ever been to Oakmont Bakery? Yes. Yes. Oh. yes. If you if you're in Pittsburgh, you gotta go to Oakmont Bakery. It was packed Saturday. Got some Valentine's cupcakes. Got some donuts. She's nice. a donut girl, and card some sweet treats that kind of nice.
0: stuff. Nice. Nice. John, what about
1: you? What was Valentine's Day like for you? Well, Valentine's Day was a little different for me. It was it was Sunday, obviously, yeah. was the 14th, and so as as a pastor, I mean, Sunday mornings kind of gone but i also
2: you gave her a good sermon huh i did a wonderful message
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh on sunday evening um actually i had the opportunity to be a part of a organization service for a church in the south hills so that was kind of cool um so i got permission from my wife to not be there on valentine's day in advance so we celebrated in a uh, a little earlier in the weekend so what would you do but just hung out at home yeah got her um, so just don't, these don't sound very romantic, but, um, it's, we, we discovered when we were in Scotland a couple of years ago, uh, our love for two things. One, they, they have these, uh, uh, electric, uh, kettles that like almost instantly boil water. Like they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we also discovered our love for what sounds disgusting, but clotted cream, uh, they use it in their afternoon teas. Uh, it's it's like a really sweet, rich butter. Nice. And you put that on your scones and okay. things like that. So I got I I shipped in um, from clotted cl- cream for her. Got her a kettle mm-hmm. so she could have a proper tea. Yeah. Because uh, we've yeah. So we've. So you definitely beat the giant asteroid. <laughs> It <laughs> doesn't sound very romantic, but she was she I was thrilled. Might
2: have I mean? Yeah, at first, I, I heard organizational service in the South Hills, and I thought, "What a romantic!" Yeah. he but saved it. He was that was going downhill. It quick. was. Um, yeah, really I admitted about I had it. To, I had
1: to think ahead. On, <laughs> there was no when, when there was no, when there was no say, last minute running out to Oakmont <laughs> Bakery. When, <laughs>
0: When you're going to say, honey, I got to go to organizational service tonight. You better have thought
2: way I'd ahead. Better be and shipping in some collotted butter. Or yeah, or yeah, you better be balancing the you, scales. You better balance the scales there, buddy. Strange foods from Scotland. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, though. If you've, never, if you've never, I mean, it does, it sounds disgusting. I mean, the English mm-hmm. and the Scots, they don't really know how to like, you know, market things very Do well. Do food. <laughs> But it is delicious. It is. It's like yeah. They call French fries
0: chips. I always thought that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Well, they so like, they don't like did, so. <laughs> you don't know what I did. So I know what I did. I'm it. curious. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So first, first, first Valentine's Spider-Man, Day as a married sir. couple. No, it involved no Spider Man. <laughs> um, sadly. First anyway. So first, first, first Valentine's a as a married couple. Uh. So um, uh. I also. Well, here's the problem. So. My wife's birthday and Valentine's day are seven days apart. Ooh. So I've got the it's double a, whammy.
2: That's not a two for one opportunity. No, no, That is not. No, I got
0: the double <laughs> whammy every year. Yeah. Now, last year in the middle of that, we got engaged at the top of the empire state building. Oh, so, it's so all, that's that all downhill
1: a from the king that. of romance
0: there's, there. All right. But, but it's all downhill. So yeah, <laughs> there's no way you can. How do I top that? Yeah. Surprise, you know, her in New York city. Yeah. So, We um so I also made a trip to Oakmont Bakery and she likes the toasted almond tort uh from Oakmont Bakery. So we've been there together multiple times. So surprised her with that. But uh I took her away for the weekend. We went we went away, took off work, uh went away for the weekend up to Brookville, Pennsylvania, kinda in the middle of nowhere, stayed in this uh bed breakfast. And um I hate him already. Yeah, and uh (laughs) I also got her couple nice little gifts. And I got one of those things made. It's like a, it's like a canvas thing and it's got three hearts on it. And inside the hearts are maps. And it says underneath the heart, it says, hello, this is where we met. And it shows you on the map inside the heart. And then it says, uh, will you, which was where you got engaged and ours is at the top of the empire state building. And then the third one is, um, uh, I do. And it's where you got married which you both were at. So, so there's little hearts with, yeah. So that's what I did. I still like mine better. Suckers. I like like mine a lot
2: better. Sorry, honey. No, I,
0: no, I think, I think we, I came in first, John came in second. You came in third.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, every
2: day, guys, every day is Valentine's Day. <laughs> My family, that's why I don't have to make a video. There you, you go. Know, see, the loves there every day. Yeah. Yep,
1: I probably have the worst Valentine's Day uh, story, but we'll say that for another time. Okay, so, yeah. all right, so I, oh, I like to hear that one. Yeah, so uh, hey, we're back
0: and we're all three back together. It's been a while since we were all back together, but here we are, and um, I'm glad to see you guys. and We're still in the middle of a pandemic, we're still pastoring in the middle of pandemic. This podcast is about just three pastors who are uh, trying to live the way of Jesus, trying to live, live as a believer and follower of Jesus uh, in the middle of a post-Christian society. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, our topic is following Jesus in an age of unreality. Yes. Following Jesus in an age of unreality. What do we mean by that? Well, it's, it's an age where people create their own reality. Yeah. It seems like we're in the midst of people creating their own reality in many different arenas.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like I heard that. I was watching an interview yesterday on TV, and someone was making a point, and uh, one of the uh, co-commentators or hosts said, "Speak your truth," and they, she was encouraging the co-host to to speak. His truth, and he was passionate about this one not speak the truth, speak whatever you think is true. And I think you were seeing that in so many different ways.
0: Yep, so we see it politically, people kind of speak their own truth, whatever, Absolutely. um, create their own reality, whatever people want to believe. Um, uh, they we see it, uh, just kind of all over culture, morally, morally, morally. Yep, Absolutely. I create my own morality. Uh, I was listening to, uh, we do this sexually. I was, I was listening to a guy talk about this the other day who was talking about, you know, we've removed all, all ethics from sex. Okay. So we've created where the only ethic of sex is consent. So as long as I say, yes, I can say yes to whatever, cause I'm creating my own reality. So this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. Because I've made it okay. And so I've created that. And people still wonder then if I consented, if that's the only ethic, why afterwards am I still dealing with all of this, maybe guilt, shame, brokenness, hurt, I feel used or abused, even though I said yes. Right. And so I kept the ethic, but why did I, well, because we've created a reality where the only sexual ethic is consent, not that there is sexually things, things that are.
2: Yeah. And you can create your own ethic, but you cannot create your own consequences. Right. right? That is the problem. And, and many people even want to, uh, want to define what the consequences should be for their choice, or there should be no consequences for their choice. And, uh, that's just not that's just not doable especially right. we' we're, we're created beings and so if we do something that's outside of God's um, design for our life there are consequences that we feel physically and spiritually
1: yep
0: so before we came on we also talked about how people have you know uh you know can they've created their own reality maybe around even gender or they've created it around
2: uh, anything uh, anything 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 in life
0: and we even talked about how there's like there's going to be battles between people over cause now my reality is clashing with your reality. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about how like feminism, feminists might be very angry at people who are pushing for transgender rights, right? Especially in the areas right.
2: of athletics, right. Women's where, athletics yeah. right. You know, we're seeing that in the state of Massachusetts and, and other places right now. But is so you're you're seeing the
0: clash of created realities, right? Correct. You're seeing those, those two things clash with each other and everything just kind of feels ungrounded, unhinged from any sense of reality to now where it's I'm creating this and, but I don't feel like I have much to stand on if I'm creating my own reality. So I'm making myself the center of the universe.
2: It sounds a lot like Romans chapter one, right? And
0: everybody else has to revolve around me. Speaking of Romans one, Let me, uh, let me read that to you. Uh, this is Paul writing to the Romans, the Roman empire, uh, writing to, to people, the church in Rome. And this is what he, he says, he says, for although they knew God, this is verse 21 of chapter one, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Wow. So, I mean, it's nuts. Feels very relevant to right now. Of course, we are three people who hold to the fact that ultimate truth is found in God's word. Yeah. So that is our bias. We are, we are biased that way. right? Right. I mean, yeah, it's we have wisdom
2: to, that's been vetted that has lasted, right. you know, hundreds of years. So not well, all thousands, new thousands, yeah, thousands of, of years. Yeah. It's not to just all new knowledge is better than old knowledge. I mean, I would challenge that thought. Right. Sometimes knowledge has been here for a long time for for a reason.
0: Right. No, I wasn't I wasn't I'm just saying that that's that's who we are. Right. As I'm pastors, just, right. We've yeah, made that decision that we're
1: defining ultimate reality. Our
2: society it's not, has de- it's defined it. not just because we've chosen it. No, no, that, no. no right? I'm sorry. We've vetted
1: that. Right.
0: Yeah. And our and, and the, the, the verse of, that you
1: didn't read before that actually tells us that it's not just what we've vetted, but it's that for God, for what can be known about God is plain to them, right? Yep. Right. I mean, Same. God has made it plain. For since the creation
0: of the world, right. God's invisible qualities, invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Right. Yes. So here's, here's the place we find ourselves in as pastors, as the church, as Christians, we find ourselves in an age of unreality where, uh, it's really hard to come together with people if you can't even agree on reality. And I think that's where our, that's where we are in a lot of ways as a culture. Sure. Um, like politically, obviously we haven't come together politically because we live in this polarized system where each
1: side is kind of creating their reality. John, you... And even in our own, even in that context, yeah, the different parties are fractured and divided because their reality is, are different, right? Different things that folks within those different parties are... Um, are looking to push or to have addressed or whatever. And so we, we see that see these different realities, even within what seems to be a two party system. Mm -hmm. You know, it's far from that. Talk about what we were talking about earlier. You were, you were talking about, well, I think one of the things that we have to, you know, that we need to, you know, be aware of is this whole idea of like, what is, what is truth? You know, what is, what is real? What is reality? And, you know, I think one thing that we have to be careful of is how do we define that? Right. And, um, you know, this isn't this isn't to to bash Donald Trump. I'm not like taking this opportunity to be like, I'm going to bash him. But something I think that we need to be aware of is that, you know, when he started talking about like fake news, like, he was he was defining he was making a definition of, of a reality that he wanted people to believe, mm-hmm. right? And part of that now now to I'm not finding right. you on
0: this because I agree, but yeah. but um but also but he was saying also though that there was a false reality being created by the media who was pushing their own right reality or narrative or agenda yeah. Yeah, or it agenda. Certainly, there so, certainly was right. So you've got two people that. Sure. Are shaping reality.
1: Correct. So go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was, I mean, that's, that's correct. And I, but I think part of, part of that was, was a response even, I think, to Trump, because if you look at his historically, not just in the past four years, but over the course of his life. Okay. So he was a disciple of Vincent Norman Peel. And what does that mean? so basically, you know his family was from Queens, okay, He grew up in Queens. They attended a Presbyterian church in Queens, like until he was about thirteen. Well, around that time, his parents became very enamored with the teachings of Vincent Norman Peel. For those people who don't know, Vincent Norman Peel is the author of the Power of Positive Thinking and other books. he kind of it's kind of this quasi christian kind of new age secular kind of new age spirituality, kind of like basically. the
2: secret. Yeah. Very you much. Like, you yeah. vision it. Right. You can make it happen. Right. And, and yeah. you know, certainly there's a power to that. I mean, there's a power to the Joel put our thoughts on, <laughs> so Yeah. If you think of negative thoughts, you tend to get negative things. So right. he was, he was but tapping. But yeah. In. There
1: is a, there is a sense of like, you know, for us as human beings, to to you know to not just focus on the negative, to focus on the positive. There's speak not speak your right. reality, right? But that's where it gets kind of yes, right? Is when we start to. But think. But there's partial truth in that, right? There's some. Well, I don't know
0: that we can speak our reality or speak. No, our no, no, truth, no. Right? But I mean, but there's like like if you think on negative things, you're not going to really. Right. Yes. I mean, Even yes. Even in
2: the book of James talks right. about how the tongue is a rudder. Right. It yes. literally steers our life. So right. if we're speaking about negative things, we tend to go down that path. The reason right.
0: I said that is because tend counterfeits tend to be, you know,
1: Have some partial truth. Partial right. truth. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Right. So anyway, but so Vincent Norman Peel, power, positive thinking, you know, really kind of, um, the I Trump mean, family. the Trump family really kind of bought in. They actually started attending his church in Manhattan Trump attended that church for 50 years, Wow! Um, you know, and uh, Vincent Norman Peel performed his first wedding, like all these like connections and he actually, and he Trump himself, you know, gives him credit. Vincent Norman Peel for, for helping him to develop as a person and in, in his whole okay. theology, so to speak. Right. And so it's not from two Corinthians. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so if you start to look at that and you say, okay, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that everything that Trump did was bad. No, you're just speaking. These are facts. These are facts. And, but what happens is in this whole mindset of, you know, there's no, it explains, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you know, when he was asked about whether he had ever asked for forgiveness, he said no. Right. And you can't ask, right, right. Right. You can't ask forgiveness if you don't believe you've ever done anything wrong. And you don't believe you've ever done anything wrong because that would be that you're not thinking positively about. And the reality you've created will come crashing down
0: because you
1: failed that reality. Correct. Yeah. It means that. And so you see that in other aspects too, like in terms of just, you know, if anything would ever be brought up that wasn't going according to plan, whether in his business life or then later on as president, he would spin it in such a way that would not show the reality failure. of failure. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if we have a, a president who's living this out, mm-hmm. right. Um, what is to say that, and it's not that the president necessarily informs what every citizen or every person does, but he's living out and we're seeing it on display. What I think our society is largely bought into, Right is this idea of kind of creating our own understanding of what we define as right or wrong. Right yeah, or wrong. What do we define as the truth. What we define as.
0: I, I had a, it, I had an interesting thought when you just said that when you were talking about that was like maybe one of the reasons we create unreality is to avoid failure, like yeah. is to avoid our own failure because we if we're creating our own unreality or our own reality, we don't have to ever deal with failure. I'm sure that's yeah, in that a I sense. Think. We don't have to ever deal with sin yeah. then too, because, well, yeah, because I, mean, because I d- then I don't need to save, I mean, this kind of snowballs, right. but then I, I, if I've created a reality where I don't have to deal with my own failures, my own shortcomings, because I've defined what they are and I can keep def- redefining them. I don't know. It was a thought I had. The, the, oh, I think, I think you are right
2: on it. We're in tomorrow's Ash Wednesday, you know, and Ash Wednesday is about repentance. It's about yeah. dealing with your sin before you yeah. enter into the season of Lent. And so, um, you know, the, the irony of this whole thing is, is that the pathway to healing comes through repentance. Yeah. And we as human beings don't want to turn around. We want to keep going. We want to set the course. We want to be in control. There's times where we get on the wrong path and, and repentance is just, recognizing that in turning around, that's hard to do. Um, It means that you don't know everything that you've made a mistake, but ultimately when we repent and turn around, that's when we experience healing and the wholeness that God. And,
0: And repentance is first of all, coming smack dab with the brutal truth sometimes. Absolutely. So I mean
2: like, if you don't deal with the truth, you can't repent. Right. So you have to deal with the truth.
0: Right. So, but then you have to admit failure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to admit your You're not own perfect. Right. And
2: you made a mistake and sometimes even more than that, but I don't have to do people. that if I'm
0: creating my own truth.
2: No. no, you've hurt other people sometimes cause our sin affects other people. And so you need to go back and apologize to them and, and reconcile. There's a lot of things that uh, are a part of that, but it is ultimately the path to the life that God created us. And it leads to healing when we do it. Mm-hmm. It's hard.
0: So we're going to take a break here in a minute, but before we do let, can I ask you a question? So how do you think we got here? How did we get to a place where it feels like there is so much unreality? Okay. Like when I was a kid, I didn't feel like I felt kind of like when I was a kid, even young adult, I felt like everybody was living kind of in the same reality. I know my I'm just talking about America and I just know I'm a limited test case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like the culture I was in, uh, people were living at least in the same reality. It wasn't that they were following all the same things. It wasn't, they were all acting the same way. It wasn't uniform, but it was that they accepted a certain reality of things. I don't know. That's just me.
2: No, I agree. I think definitely things have changed. Um, I think technology has allowed us to broadcast our thoughts on mm-hmm. anyone to put their thoughts out there and so that's it's allowed networks to continue to grow and, and that's not a bad thing that's a good thing right for sure so there's a lot more ideas that are accessible maybe they were always there you just didn't know about right. them or I maybe you couldn't get game to version. them right? right you couldn't get to them so technology's definitely made it uh, more yeah before of
1: you had whole. to go to a library and know where to look <laughs> Absolutely. I hated right. the card catalog. card catalog. Right, you had to, Now you can just like pull up on your phone. You can be like, was it the Dewey, mean, Dewey Decimal right. System? Was that the card
2: catalog? <laughs> yeah, but I think what's interesting with technology is I think if you people were doing audit of. Thoughts that they're putting out versus research. <laughs> I think there's a lot more talking than listening going oh, on absolutely. with technology. And yep. I think that's contributing to the chaos Yeah. is there's just opinions being spewed out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot less reading and research going on and thinking.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's well, before we came on here today, uh, we were talking about how, you know, we kind of, we went from reality to virtual reality, but we've gone beyond that to our own reality. Yeah now, so it's even beyond yeah. just virtual reality. At least we knew it was fake. Right? Like right. we knew like, oh, this isn't fake. I'm playing a game or whatever. But now we've moved into uh where we're now living our own reality. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we woke up from the Matrix but then we went, Oh no, I'm still gonna make my <laughs> own my own reality. I'm going to create my own matrix. You know what I mean? For for those of you who love the matrix, right? Uh, you know, it was like, Oh, we had that hard shock where we woke up from, from the matrix. But then we're like, I think I'm going to go create my own matrix. Mm -hmm. So interesting time. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about, okay, how as Christians, how as the church, do we live in an age of unreality? What is, so, I mean, some people hear all this and they get very depressed. They get very angry even, would you say? Like a lot of people just get yep. very angry. You try to control the uncontrollable. Right. right, and they they don't wanna come together with people who they feel live in a different reality than them. And so like, there's just a whole lot of chaos. And uh, so how do we as the church uh, function Uh, and live. And as Christians, how do we do that? So we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, So don't shift reality, stay with us and we'll be back here on post-Christian pastors.
2: Welcome back to Post-Christian Pastors. It's great to have you back as we uh, kind of have this reality check, if you will, Ooh, I like what's that going on in our world. It's definitely a time where um, we can almost make up what we, what we think is right or wrong or what is even real in society. So that's, the crazy,
0: that's the crazy thing too, Michael, you just said, because it's acceptable now absolutely to it's make your right. a, it's your right Ooh, it's that's your right good. it's yeah. acceptable like if i was a kid like but can you imagine back in the the 80s or 90s saying hey mom dad i'm gonna speak my truth my dad would have been like yeah let me show you the truth <laughs> my, absolutely. my dad my dad or my mom would have straightened yeah. me out she just traded my truth she'd have been like okay yeah. let me let me tell you the truth. You know, I,
2: and this is an interesting analogy. It kind of fits in. My daughter, you know, often says, you know, this is my room. I should be able to keep it as clean as I want to clean it, which is far less than the standards that I would want her room to be cleaned. And right. I have to remind her that, you know, your room is in my house. <laughs> and um I'm the one that pays for that box that you get to sleep in at night, you know, and you have a heated
0: box, you yeah. have a lighted one,
2: box, you've got all kinds of food and snacks right. in there, snacks, <laughs> Entertainment. You, can, you can phone that's, Hey, by the way, that communication tool to the outside world, <laughs> that's also mine. provided by me <laughs> that's right. as well. And it's a great analogy because we're all right. trying to create our own little room, Yep. our own little box and say, this is how we want to keep it. Right. Um, but it does exist in a greater reality. Right. And see, the other thing that happens too, I think, we didn't talk about this before we came on, but when you're just
0: creating your own little box, your own little world that you live in, it's a very lonely place. Can
1: be, yeah. Can yeah. be a very, very... Yeah, unless you get enough people to move in there with you. Right? Yeah, that, you could that, fill up partly, your That's partly, I think, a lot of what we what see seen seen. in our society, right? We see all these little tribes forming that you kind of bite them in and you kind of start to build,
0: but then they start turning on each they other. They do. Yeah. I mean, look yeah, at yeah. cancel culture. Now you have yep. people within the cancel culture who are now canceling each other. And sooner or later they yeah. all eat their, eat their own. I mean, sooner or later sure.
2: people will eat their own.
0: And uh, just
2: to be clear, I don't want you guys in my bedroom either. That's, <laughs> that's my room. I'm not, domain. <laughs> I'm not lonely. I'm good.
0: Cause we know you're in there watching the <laughs> giant meteor movie with your wife.
2: <laughs> hey, man, it's actually a good movie. I encourage you guys to watch it. The fact that you
0: finished the movie says a lot too. Anyway, <laughs> there was no Netflix and chill that night. Oh, oh
2: easy,
0: so easy, wow! Easy, easy. Oh, well, I'll edit that! Uh, I took an <laughs> uh, interesting turn. Okay, so <laughs> how do we? How do we as the church then live? in reality, how do we, in this age of unreality, how does the church live, function, and let's, let's remember we're called the love. Mm -hmm. So how do we live, function, love, and we're called the truth. Um, so how do we do all that? How do how does the average person listening to this or pastor or church, how do they do this? How do you, how do you live in this culture and it's with a commitment to
1: not being a person of unreality. Well, I mean, I think scripture, right. Tells us that what we need is wisdom. Oh, uh, we <laughs> come back to wisdom. Don't we always some way? John is the Yoda of our group. Yeah. <laughs> wisdom. You must <laughs> wisdom. You must, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we, 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 we mix up wisdom and knowledge, right? Yep. So we, think if we know more, if we know a lot, you know, that's, that's wisdom, you know, the more knowledge that we attain and, and there's some truth to knowledge. I mean, the more knowledge you have, the, those can, but the better chance, the better you chance, have right. But the Bible says there's some, there's difference, right? There's, there's a distinct difference between wisdom and knowledge or wisdom and understanding and wisdom is, it's basically, um, the art of godly living is one of my professors in seminary would say the, the art of godly living, right? and how and how do we get that well one i mean you have to know you have to know the bible <laughs> um i mean we've talked about that before in terms of like how how particularly teaching and preaching in churches have kind of maybe led us away from that kind of you know um certainly godly wisdom um like Joel Osteen yes yeah i wasn't going to I wasn't going to name names but yes that's all right yeah. I, I, cuz yeah.
0: i told you before coming on i was watching joel the other night yeah. and it was like Eating a can of whipped cream, just holding it up. I mean, I like eating out of the can right. whipped cream, just a little bit. But it was like a whole can, just nonstop, and for ten minutes. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach's a little sick." Anyway, <laughs> thank you for that wonderful yeah, sorry, picture. Sorry, I'm I'm <laughs> full of pictures today. So, uh, but you. So I'm
1: sorry, go back to where where I'm, I lost you there for a second. Well, I was just, you know, saying that we need to have biblical wisdom, right? We need to understand the art of godly living. We need to know what God's word says and, um, and seek to, um, live in light of that. And a lot of times we kind of. You know, we have maybe a very surface understanding of what that means. We don't kind of dig deeper. And you know, uh, uh, an illustration of that was like this morning I was meeting with one of our candidates for deacon. We were going through. I know this is going to maybe people start to sn- to snooze here. You know, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boring
2: Presbyterian <laughs> moment. Brought to you by Post Christian Press. Here, here
1: comes the huggy part. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> For those people who aren't who who aren't familiar, the Westminster Confession of Faith is I actually th- love it. A document that was written back in the mid 1600s, and it was it's basically kind of kind of a helpful kind of summary of biblical teaching, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah, how and and something that you know, we uh, the profession of our faith kind of helping to kind of think through. And we were at the point where we were talking about you know, the 10 commandments and, um, how it talks about those. And, uh, the question came, up was like, well, what does it mean by, you know, how do we understand even like just the sixth commandment, do not murder. Okay. It seems pretty straightforward. Okay. We just don't take the life of somebody. But if you look at the Westminster, um, larger catechism, it breaks it down not only in terms of what we're not supposed to do, but what, is required of us in the sixth commandment, like how we are to live our lives and, in the, in all of the, all the 10 commandments, basically that's how it, I mean, if there's a, there's a negative aspect and there's a positive aspect. And sometimes I don't think we actually work through that deep enough to see like, what, what has God laid out for us in terms of what are the positive acts, aspects of how we are to live and what are the, ne- what are the things that we're not supposed to do? Like, um, and we take it too simple. And I was using this illustration before is that uh, I found like one of the early Christian magazines. I, I don't even know how I came across it on the internet. Who um, was like, they were, it was an article about how England and Scotland, like back when Marxism was kind of sweeping through Europe and uh, all these, like, you know, the, the labor, those in the labor, those who were laboring in unjust, you know, uh, working, ways, con- conditions. working conditions were overthrowing the government and things like that. And, and rightly so that rightly they were being abused, right? I mean, there was, there's no, like, but in England and Scotland, it seems that Marxism didn't really take hold in, over there because Christians looked at the situation of like Christian business owners, Christians who were, who were owned the, who owned the, the factories and things like that looked at the sixth commandment and said, you know what? We are actually violating the sixth command by the way that we're treating our our workers. Right, because our workers are—we talked about this too—created in the image, image of, of God. God, right? And so, so worthy of dignity, respect, right? And true. so they—they they and the government instituted rules and laws to help protect, you know, the common worker. Yeah. And Marxism didn't take hold like it did in the rest of Europe because of Christians Christian actually answer. using biblical wisdom to say, "Hey." there's an answer to this problem. Yep, We need to, we need to address it from a biblical wisdom perspective, not from a humanistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, there are lots of illustrations of that in our, in our society that as Christians, we need to look at, you know, from a biblical wisdom standpoint and say, how do we address this? And not from our humanistic standpoint, not from like our own, like felt, desires and needs, but what is God saying about this and how do we actually address it and step into it?
2: Yeah. And to answer your question too, I think that's great. Um, like how do we engage as believers in this time? I think we need to be encouragers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy to walk around right now and go, that's wrong. That's yeah. wrong. That's wrong. We'll see. That's not how God wants it to be into point out faults. Yep. I mean, you can do that all day long. And I, and I know believers who do that Um, but there are natural consequences to the choices that we make. And even though we have the freedom to choose how to live our life in in America, and I believe you should have that freedom. We, you are not free from the consequences of our choices. Like that just happens when people experience consequences for their choices, specifically ones that cause pain. We as believers need to be there as encouragers and lovers to help pick them up Mm -hmm. and to point them how they were created to live. Yeah, That is how we're called. And so it's really, it's really, um, pain should be our calling card. We, we need to look for it. We need to hear it. And we need to engage in a way that is, that doesn't a compromise what God has called us to be, but also is very loving. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, re- I read an article yesterday about how there's going to be a tsunami of trauma and grief mm-hmm. and pain in our culture from the last 11 months. Uh, mm-hmm ripe place for the church to step in with Absolutely. love, encouragement, reality, mm-hmm. right. In the midst of that, accepting that's what I've always loved about the Bible. I've always told people that one of the reasons I, I am a believer in God's word is that it holds to the, to a version of reality that I think is the truth. Like it doesn't shy away from harsh reality. It also doesn't, it also doesn't, shy away from pointing us to a better reality. Uh, so I I always felt it dealt with people the most honestly it dealt with situations honestly. And that's why I felt it was, it was a guy, it was a guide to lead us into Uh truth. And Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the truth. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole thing. You know, like Jesus said, I am the truth in me is ultimate reality. Right. right, like yeah. Jesus said, "I am the ultimate reality." You either accept that as the truth, or you live with some other sense of reality. And today we also talked about repentance, yep. repentance, which is turning towards the ultimate reality and following to turn around, change your mind, move towards that, and to repent of the realities we've created yep. or that we believe, uh, and step into some bigger, bigger reality. Absolutely. Yeah, John, I think uh, you had uh, something great uh, you wanted to share about reality and how people try to find reality and, and uh, figure out who to follow.
1: And, and So go ahead and share that. Yeah, so I was uh, doing a sermon series this summer, and I found this really interesting article titled, Suddenly Everybody's an Expert. And what's really interesting about this article is that it appeared- Where was it? Where was it from? In the New York Times okay. Okay. on the technology page on February 3rd, suddenly everybody's an expert. Suddenly everybody's an expert. February this February 3rd. February no. A few years before, 2015. I bet it's 2000. <laughs> Mike is right. Yes. <laughs> I,
0: <laughs> yes. Cheater. <laughs> yeah. So All right. and, T- in 2000, so, so February, 21 uh, year, yeah. 21 years ago. 21 years ago everybody was an
1: expert. Suddenly. Every, suddenly. Everybody is an expert. The Whoa. beginning
0: of the internet, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. we, I was still on uh, eighteen. And no, what is it? Was it AOL? AOL.
2: <laughs> it's right after, <laughs> it's right after Al Remember Gore that? invented the internet for us. Yeah, that's, that's right. So helpful. <laughs>
1: that's right. Wow. It 21 experts. years ago. Yeah. Everybody was an Suddenly expert. Everybody's an expert. Um, so here's the interesting thing is that so an expert? we're ex, done. We're, we're pride.
0: <laughs> we're all done. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> this article is 21 years old and everybody yeah. was an
0: expert. 21. We're, we're done. Yeah. We're doomed. See y'all later. All right. There's I'm a lot of wisdom that, out there guys. That was the big, that was the all beginning right. of, sorry, no social media back then or anything. Right. So go ahead. God, sorry. No, that's
1: all right. That's just shocking. Yeah, I know when I found it, I was, I, I thought for sure I had the wrong date. Like I thought for sure it was written, you know, like you're like, refresh, refresh. refresh." That has to be wrong. But anyway, in the article that it reads, uh, it was written, says anybody can be an expert now, at least on the things they have personally experienced, says Paul Resnick, a professor at the university of Michigan school of information who studies the interaction between people and computers. The result, he said, is a democratization of information publishing and a democratization of expertise. But he added that it was more important than ever to be wary. Just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. This is 21 that years, was 21 ago. years ago, and that's still true today. And then it was interesting. A follow-up article. You're telling me not everything on the internet is true. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mark, but uh, this guy only, said it first. This, <laughs> this guy said it first 21 years ago. And it is. It's interesting. What is truth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, Pontius
1: Pilot. <laughs> and it is. It's 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 interesting because that was 21 years ago, and we're we're start we're seeing this kind of like on steroids now, right? I mean, it's just yeah. kind of has grown out of. But last year, last April, uh, in Psychology Today, okay, has, so this is only a year. It's ago. It's only a year ago. An author was com- commenting on the same phenomenon that was, you know, that mm-hmm. was shown 21 years ago, and it helps highlight the absurdity absurdity of our day. It says, people are desperate for solid guidance. To our rescue comes thousands of memes, tweets, Facebook posts, and videos to fill in the gap. <laughs> and then the writer goes, "Oh man, we're doomed." <laughs> What was the guy from 2000? What was his name? Paul Riznik. Paul's like at his
0: house going, I told you so. I told all you idiots. I told you.
1: <laughs> oh, my yeah, gosh. He, he so saw guy, it coming 21 years ago. And, and we, now the other guy's yeah. saying we're doomed. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. So that's it. All right. Well, <laughs> no. So <laughs>
1: we're doomed. Sayonara.
0: What is truth?
1: But it is. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about that that's really you know, this whole idea of what's, what's reality and what's yeah. true. We've, wow. We've become our own experts.
2: And you can live in a camp that agrees with you. Oh, absolutely. And that's the bigger part of it. it is that you can literally, the camps are big enough now that you can swim in your own sea with your own cronies that think the same way. I'll never challenge your, right. your ways. So, yeah.
1: I mean, you know, the flat earth people get made fun of a lot.
2: But know, they still have. They still have a little pocket of people. It's horrible what they do to us.
1: I'm, not, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But it's that kind of thing, right? It's like. Yep. I mean, you can find enough evidence to to make you an expert on that, on and anything, then, and then you are you're an expert on it, and you can find enough people who believe the same thing you do.
0: But yep. I think Paul, whatever his name, would say that we just create a whole bunch of expert idiots. <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> Who just spout off on everything. And this guy, I wonder where that guy is now. I'd like to know what he's saying now. Yeah, that would be interesting. Like, what's that guy writing he now? doesn't have the internet. That guy's in a bunker somewhere <laughs> waiting for the apocalypse. He's, got, he's jacked up with an armory, and he's
2: hes like, it's all well, going to end. the irony, he's contributing to the internet with his articles. <laughs> well, in 2000, <laughs> I'd like... So look yep. this guy up, I, everybody.
1: Look him up. Find out where he is. Yeah, I, I, it'd be interesting to be like he's probably somewhere. Like you said, like you know, he, he probably probably Twitter launched and he's like, I'm, I'm out of <laughs> here. Yep. He did it. I'm out. <laughs> wow. So that's that's
0: that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing to to think that uh, we're 21 years past that guy's prophecy, and here we are living in a world that is. I think it was funny. I know I was joking when I said Pontius Pilate, but yeah. right. Pontius Pilate stood face to face with the
2: one who was the and truth. And this. he said, what is truth? And he dealt with, he was living in a city with multiple different camps, beliefs, and idea structures that he was trying to navigate as well. He Romans, Jews, Christians were emerging out, you know, during this time. So he was confused during this time. And so certainly, um, it probably felt like living in the internet during that time.
0: Yeah, he had like everybody sharing memes yep. at him.
2: Thoughts, yeah. at least <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, and his 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 his
0: response was, "I'm, I'm washing my, my hands. hands. I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> I am done." But he can't escape it. But like he tried to escape it. But you right. yep. you can't escape it. I don't think washing our hands of it is. It's what we cannot do. We have to engage with people just as the early church did in a very pluralistic society. I mean, I, I tell people this all the time who are just so discouraged by what's going on and I said, this is when the church flourished. The first early Christians flourished in a culture that was antagonistic toward them was completely pluralistic, even s- way more than ours is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just got done preaching on Athens. They had 30,000 different idols in Athens when Paul goes there mm-hmm. and he didn't go there and go up. Oh, it's too many. I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm done. But, uh, but I think Paul knew that his ideas, I mean, his beliefs were just better because they Jesus were true. And true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were better than all this stuff. And so he could look at all these different idols, look at all these different worldviews and say, I've got something better for you. Right. And I think often we have to believe that as Christians. Like, do we believe that we I mean we you could go real hardcore and say, Well, yeah, this is the truth. We know it's the truth. That I know, and that's what I believe, yeah, everything Jesus said was the truth. But we can also come at people with just saying, like Paul did, I just got I got something better for you. This is better. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna Absolutely. ultimately find it is the truth, but it's better than worshiping this little trinket in your, you know, in your, in your living room, you yeah. know, made of wood or stone or, you know, I have something living, breathing,
2: better. Yeah, and I think even Jesus models this when he looked out and surveyed the the culture that he lived in. He he had compassion on them mm-hmm. because they were like what sheep without a shepherd, right? right. They were confused, um and that's where right our posture for us to fall into, to have compassion on the world. We know, we know that when we disobey God, it doesn't lead to more life. Even when you try to take away the consequences for sin, it still exists. Um, our, our posture should be one of compassion. Um, people are confused. Mm. Um, not one that just points out things that are wrong. Not one that casts judgment, but we should have a heart of compassion to our culture right now.
0: And we have a better story to tell. I really believe that we have a better story to tell than people are living. And, um, we can't lose that story. I, I preached on that this week. Um, we went through, you know, what is underneath, uh, spiritual growth. What's underneath, uh, spiritual formation is that we at the underneath all like why do we pray why do we worship why do we give why do we meet together in groups because underneath all that is the story and for you know i told the story creation fall redemption restoration so underneath all that's so that that's the why because right. we're living in that story that's the why and we have to be good stewards of that story like people were not good through they can people can easily lose the story right yep. the israelites lost the story the people of God lost the story all over again. Even people who who were prophets, Jonah lost the story. He didn't care about other people. Jesus comes to the Pharisees and he says, you've lost the story. Like you're the keepers of the story. You've lost the story. You've made things worse. You're in the way of people coming into relationship with me. And it's not like you're even the villains. You're not the villains of the story. There is a villain, but you're just keeping people from me. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're You're in the way. And so I think like, if we realize that we can help people find a better story and live into a better story, cause there is a better story underneath it all. Right. I think that's a, a great message that we have.
2: Yep.
1: It's interesting you brought the Pharisees because there's a sense of, I think that even connects into that quote that I talked about, right? Like yeah. God had given them his word. He had outlined who he was, oh, they were the keepers, how of. he, how they were supposed to live. And yet the Pharisees felt like, no, there's gotta be more to this. Yeah. Right. i got to add more. It. Right. I've got to find the secret. I've got to have the secret wisdom to make this more right. real more. And yet Jesus says, no, I'm, yeah. I'm the truth. You've lost, you've lost me. Right. And that's, I think, or or maybe too, John, maybe what people were doing was like,
0: they wanted to make it maybe even like this is how human beings are like, OK, God, thanks for that. But we need to make it more specific. Mm-hmm. And God's like, no, not, it didn't need to be more specific. There's a lot more freedom there than you think. But people are just like, no, it's got to get because people aren't doing it right. And they got it. Well, I also think it you becomes about ourselves. We sure. become
2: focused on our story. Right. Or control. Than- yeah, mm-hmm. rather than the, the story that we are a part of, which is God's meta narrative. Right. We're a small, small part in that story. Mm-hmm. Our our timeline is not as significant as we think. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like a good place
0: to end. You guys good? Yeah. You're good. It's Good. Hey, thanks. Good for now. For, thanks for being with us here on Post Christian Pastors. Look us up, share us, like us, whatever you gotta do, subscribe, I don't know, all that stuff. Do it anywhere you find podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Check out our Facebook page or go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those things. Find us, like us. We hope to see you later. Come back and uh, share with others. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. See you later.
2: See you. Bye.